Welcome to Short Story Discussions, the podcast by Short Story Book Club for people who love short stories. Get the best short stories delivered to your door each month when you subscribe at shortstorybookclub.com. And now, here's our show. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Short Story Discussions. Today, we are joined by Lynn Thorne, who is the author of, uh, let me make sure I have this, uh, the title correct, Who Am I If You're Not You? Now, I want to tell you that uh, this interview is, is one of my most highly anticipated uh, because when I sat down with uh, the book club, we just kept going and going and going. We just kept talking about this book. We absolutely love this book. And I hope all of you listening will um, love it just as much as we did in our uh, uh, live discussion about uh, the book. And today we have the author who's going to answer some of the burning questions that we had in our um, live group discussion. And hopefully um, these are some of the questions that uh, you are also um, interested in if if you've read the book or you know when you read the book. So without further ado, let's uh, introduce Lynn Thorne. Lynn, can you tell us just a little, a little bit about yourself uh, to get things started? Yes, sure, absolutely. I'm Lynn Thorne, and thank you so much for having me here, Donna. Uh, I'm thrilled to be able to talk with you today and to share uh, the, the meaning and the story behind this book, which is near and dear to my heart. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, a little bit about me. I am a, a previous journalist. I started out in uh, television broadcasting and uh, worked in news for quite a while and moved over into the private sector and did some nonprofit work. And I currently work in um, marketing and communications for a company based in California in the US. Um, but I, my love is writing and it's always been my passion. And uh, I had an opportunity to hone my skills as I went along. And then this fabulous true story fell into my lap and I am fortunate and humbled to be the one to be able to tell it. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to share that with you. Mm-hmm. So are you actually in California now, when I met you, we were um, in Baltimore. So I, I met you at the um, what was then called the Baltimore Book Fair. I am not in California. I'm actually based in Virginia, and I am fortunate enough to be able to work remotely for my company. So I have the best of all possible worlds. I get the uh, the beauty of the East Coast and the laid back uh, vibe of the West Coast all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. And so now you do, um, you said broadcast, uh, or is that you started in broadcast journalism? Is that correct? I did. Mm-hmm. That's correct. I, I have a mass communications degree, and uh, I started in broadcast journalism, and I worked in television and radio for a number of years. And um it lost its luster for me, uh, a lot to do with really horrible hours and even worse pay. 
And uh, the last Christmas that I woke up and I was on the air and it was 5 a.m. and I was saying Merry Christmas and thinking, what am I doing and who is watching me at 5 a.m. On, mm-hmm. you know, on Christmas morning? I thought, you know, this is really kind of for the else. Uh, but it needed to be something that still incorporated my love for writing, and I have managed to make a, a decent freelance career for myself as well as a, a full-time career in writing. So uh, I am I'm very fortunate. Mm-hmm. And then what kind of broadcast uh, journalism did you do? I worked in television as um, – I kind of did all, all roles. I worked as a producer as well as an anchor and a reporter, uh, was out in the field, um, but uh, I actually got my start, kind of funny story, I got my start um, doing weather, and I had no background in weather whatsoever, uh, but the job just kind of fell in my lap, and I, w- I was a weather girl for about the first year and a half of my career. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so all of this is uh, interesting because I one of the the, you know, women in this story that you tell was actually in broadcasting. And so bef- before we um, jump into to that part, can you maybe um, summarize in your own words, you know, what what the book is about and, you know, the, um, the basic um, plot of what happened in, in who, am, who Am I If You're Not You? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, So this is a true story about two women, originally, who were married for about six months. And uh, they were were in a same-sex marriage, and one turned to the other out of the blue and said, I was meant to be a man. I need to change my gender. And this is a book that is told from the partner's perspective. And there are, there are quite a number of works out there that are told from a, a transitioned person's perspective about what their journey has been like and what it's like to finally be able to live authentically in the body that they feel that they were um, meant to have. There are very few books out there from the partner's perspective. And it was important to me to share this story because I, it's very important to recognize that there is a ripple effect when somebody changes their gender. And um, that's not a bad thing, it's just a fact. Um, Whether it's a family member that needs to understand and kind of come to terms with this uh, change, or whether it's a, um, a teacher or a coworker who just needs to learn to use different pronouns or a different first name, there are ripple effects to gender transition. And I really very much wanted to explore that and see what it would would be like to be a, a partner to somebody, a spouse to somebody who comes home and says, hey, I need to I need to change my gender. Mm-hmm. So. When you. Heard about this story, did you um, now, first of all, I, I want to make sure that I have the names of the the women correct um what 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 are the names so i understand um sure marika sure. i think she changed her name to mark is that correct she did so um so uh, jennifer is uh, the protagonist in the book she is the partner and she is married to mark who uh, was born and named uh, marika 
Oh, so, so Marika. Marika was born female. Um, Mark is um, the, the male that I now know. Okay. And as we continue this discussion, um, should I refer to Mark as Mark? Or... Yes. Okay. I think that will be easiest to try to avoid confusion rather than going back and forth. It does get a little confusing for okay. sure. Okay. Uh, but he is Mark and he is he and uses he, him pronouns. Okay. And so how did you meet Mark? Was this while you were uh, working in broadcasting? No, we actually never crossed paths um, before I met. I met Jennifer first. And uh, I had recently moved to Virginia, and Jennifer and I were both um, auditioning for a play at a local community theater. Uh, we both are, are actors and singers and dancers. And I met Jennifer and got to know her a little bit, and she shared some of her story with me. And one of the first things that she said to me as I got to know her better about her, her personal life, one of the first things she said was, my husband is transgender. And I said, wait, what? What, what does that mean? Um, and it's important to note that I, I have been an ally to the LGBT community all my life. I grew up doing theater. Uh, I've always been supportive of gays and lesbians. I hadn't known, uh, at least I wasn't aware that I knew anyone who was trans transgender. So this was a new concept to me. And I said, please explain that to me. I don't know what that means. And she said, well, he was born in a girl's body, but he has transitioned and, and he is a man. And I was kind of floored by this, as you can imagine, um, because it's certainly not something that, uh, that you talk with about somebody every day. So she told me more and more about her story, and I was just absolutely fascinated by it. Hmm. And this was among the very first things that she told you about herself? It was. Uh, she's very open about this, uh, as is Mark. And, um, it, you know, they, they don't have any, any shame. Uh, they feel no reason to hide it. Uh, so um, she told me this very early on. And, and as I say, I was, I was just kind of fascinated. And the more I learned, not just about Mark, um, who is fascinating in his own right, but the more I learned about Jennifer and everything that she had gone through to try to save her marriage uh, once Mark had announced he wanted to change his gender, uh, the, the more fascinated I got because I just was trying so hard to understand and relate to something that was so completely foreign to me as a, as a person and as a spouse. Mm -hmm. And did you have, now I understand that this story was about, well, told from Jennifer's perspective. Mm -hmm. But did you have occasion to also talk with Mark about his feelings and, you know, some of the things that he thought about in doing his transition? Absolutely. So I, um, I became friends with, with Mark as well. Jennifer introduced us and um, I, we, we all became good friends. And the more I learned about everything that Mark had gone through and everything that Jennifer had dealt with, uh, I, I just... I became so um, wrapped up in this story and I said, you guys, I really think that this is a story that would help other people. You should let me write your book. And they both kind of laughed it off and said, oh yeah, right. It's, it's, you know, this is just our life. It's not a book. And I said, oh no, it, it's a book. Believe me. Um, there are people out here who could benefit from 
understanding what you've been through who can relate and need to know that they are not the only ones who are facing something like this. And I really think it would be helpful to other people. And I, it didn't take much convincing um, for them to, to say, okay, yes, let's, let's do this. It really was more um, them understanding that that perhaps this really could help somebody else and they they were all in at that point when they when they saw things from that perspective mm -hmm. okay and now i i i want to ask you some questions that you may not have the answers to because you are not mark or jennifer mm -hmm. um and, you know, so if, you know, and you don't want to put words in their mouth or anything like that. So, you know, if you, if you don't have the answer, answer to, to the, to these questions, that's, you know, completely fine. But, but some of the things that, um, you know, when, when, uh, the book club was, was together, some of the things that we talked about was, um, uh, you know, let's say Mark, for example, uh, so you talked about how he wanted to change his gender, right? Um, I, I apologize for, for the pausing, but I'm trying to, you know, to, to formulate the question in the right it's just okay. the right way. It's all right. So why why couldn't Mark simply perform his gender in a different manner. So let's say instead of um, wearing uh, fe female clothing, right? Mm -hmm. He could wear more masculine clothing. You know, there are mm -hmm. lots of women who um, perform their gender in that manner. And, you know, why was it that Mark felt that he needed to, you know, undergo, you know, this, this a full like, richer, richer, deeper transformation? Got it. Okay. So it, my understanding, and, and you're right, let me back up and just say I, I am straight and I am what they call cisgender, meaning I was born female and I identify as female. Um, so it's, it's a little bit of a challenge. Uh, to understand, but I have spent um, copious numbers of hours with Mark and Jennifer interviewing for the, for the book. So I, I feel like I can probably answer your questions, uh, and I hope that I'll do them justice. Um, so let's clarify one thing. I just like to change um, the, the word so that people don't hear it and, and move forward with it, and that's the word performing as mm -hmm. their gender. Um, it, it's, it's an expression. Uh, I think is, is maybe, a, I hope, a, a, a more accurate word. Um, and, and Mark did. Mark, um, though he was born a girl, uh, hated dresses, hated skirts, always wore pants, uh, unless he was forced to wear a skirt as a child by his mother um, when, when he was still um, showing as female. And um, so he's always been masculine. He always liked just baggy clothes that covered up his shape. Uh, he was horrified when he started developing breasts. 
Uh, he was mortified when he got his menstrual cycle for the first time. Uh, so all these things that um, those of us who are, are women and feel like women identify as women uh, that we kind of rejoice in as this is growing up and this is an expression of our womanhood and isn't this wonderful, he was just disgusted by. Uh, so I, I think that that's important to note that from the beginning, this was, you know, this, this is not um, a decision that he made lightly. Uh, it, was, it was something that had always been inside him. Uh, he just never felt like he fit in the body he was born in. Mm -hmm. And there are those who, uh, who cross-dress, who think that for them that is sufficient. There are all kinds of, of places on this spectrum. Um, there are people that never feel comfortable enough to have the opportunity to cross-dress. Uh, and my understanding from those that I've met who cross-dress, for most of them, that is, that is sufficient. They have this kind of outward expression of their gender. But they, for Mark, it was a question of still just not feeling like he fit in his body. He would look down and he would see breasts. Uh, he wore a binder for many years, something called a binder, which um, trans people can choose to wear that kind of compresses the breasts and makes... Uh, your form look more manly, but he still, the breasts were still there, right? I mean, there, you know, it, it still wasn't, um, he wasn't looking the way he wanted to look and he wasn't feeling the way that he wanted to feel. And he, he needed his exterior to match his interior. Uh, that's kind of the short answer to that. He needed his exterior to match what he felt inside. Mm -hmm. And uh, he went through many, many years of social anxiety and uh, just feeling like he never really fit in until his transition. And suddenly he, he felt like he was in the right body for the first time in his life. Mm -hmm. And does Mark uh, re like reveal himself to other men? So does, I mean, is that, do you know if that ever comes up in a conversation it is not the first thing that he announces. I mean, it just as I don't walk into a room and say, hi, I'm Lynn and I'm straight and I'm married. Um, he doesn't walk in and say, hi, I'm Mark and I'm transgender. Uh, but it is not something that he hides. He is pretty open about it. And um, it, it, it really is a sense of, of just who he is, like who any of us are. So it's easy to hear this story and look at him and see him as Mark, a transgender man. But I would implore you and, and anybody who's listening to this podcast, whether you read the book or not, to remember that inside, you know, we're all just human and we all just want to fit in and, and we all just want to feel comfortable in our own skin. And, and that's, that's what says who we are as a person, not whether we've undergone a gender transition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, along that same line, do you know if Mark feels accepted by other men? He does. Uh, he really does. He, um, I think he feels very comfortable and for the first time confident maybe in, in who he is. And I, I don't think anybody makes him feel uncomfortable about himself. Um, any more than than people make um, me feel uncomfortable about who I am, uh, or, or hopefully you who you are. Um, you know, we're all just who we are, and this just happens to be something that he's done. 
Uh, I, I've changed my hair color before, but that doesn't define who I am. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that that's an important thing. I realize, obviously, this is this is um, more than changing hair color, but it's it is the, the the outward changing of an appearance. But for him, it was important to to take that step. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I mean, there are there are other questions. I think that perhaps might be more appropriate for Mark. Uh, so hopefully, you know, maybe sometime in the future, you know, there might be an opportunity to, to ask for me to ask Mark directly, you know, some of these these other mm -hmm. questions about, um, you know, the masculinity and 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 well, the expression of you know being male, but also. And my choice of using the word performance um, was, you know, sometimes people do things that they, it's not necessarily an expression, but just because, but there are things that they think they have to do because. Mm. So, like, when I said performance, it was more like, um you know, like men think they have to be, or some men think that they have to be like, you know, have, have this sort of toughness to them or that they have to have certain types of views about uh, women or certain types of views about politics or life or whatever, right? And so when Mark comes at being a man with this history that's very different from a boy, from a person who was born a boy, socialized as a boy, and, you know, is is now a man. There's like all of these layers of being and, and socialization that Mark has not had. And sure, and that's fair. I, I understand, and that's that's a good nuance to put on it. Um, I, I just, I, I wanted to be clear in, in how we talk about it because there is a, you know, this is, this is a fairly new concept. Uh, there have been people who have been transgender for, for years, uh, but we maybe didn't know about it or they were, um, they were ostracized for it. And so I think our society is seeing more transgender people and being exposed to more transgender people and and it's it's important to me that they understand that um that this is somebody that they were born to be and you're right he was not socialized as a boy growing up um but he it, it doesn't make him any less masculine um it just means that he had breasts and menstrual cycles for a while um, but it, inside he has always been male. Um, and, and so that, that's what I just wanted to clarify because I, I think that that's a really important message that I hope people who read this book, who am I, if you are not you, um, that I hope that they understand that this is not, um, it's not like my decision to go color my hair. This is something that he has felt his entire life and only recently been able to realize. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. Okay. So Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Um so the from the from the book it's it sounds like, you know, they have mended, things are going well, uh, for the couple. Is is this still the case? Well, let's let's back up a little bit, um, just just again for a little bit of context for somebody who's listening to this. Um, imagine that you are in Jennifer's shoes, which is you're in your twenties before you figure out that you're a lesbian. Um, she just didn't kind of really understand, didn't think about it, uh, was socialized, uh, to use your word, um, you know, as, as someone who was straight. And so she just assumed that she hadn't found a boy that she liked yet. And so she's, she's in her 20s before she figures out that she's a lesbian. And suddenly half, half the world is open to her that she'd never considered before. And she's delighted when she finds Marika at the time, um, who, who, is her true soulmate. Um, they, they just, they clicked so well from the beginning and she was, uh, they dated for about a year and a half maybe before, um, they got married. So they had had some time to get to know one another. Jennifer has come out to her parents at this point. So there's, there's all of this, um, buildup in here's who I am and I am ready to take on the world now with my soulmate by my side. We are two women in a same sex marriage. And imagine suddenly six months into the marriage that, that your soulmate, your spouse turns to you and says, I want to change my gender. I need to um, live the life I was meant to live. And that means changing my gender. So, so here's Jennifer who's gone through kind of all of this soul searching to figure out who she is and what she wants. And she finally finds it and pledges her life. And suddenly the rug is kind of ripped out from under her. Right. Um, so to me, that is a, a, an important part of this is not your average everyday marriage. Um, and, and she went through, she went through hell, truly uh, a personal hell to, terms with can I love my spouse in the opposite gender can I be attracted to my spouse as the opposite gender what does this mean for our marriage um, so there was a lot of really digging deep and um, dealing with a lot of demons if you will unfortunately in Jennifer's case to come to terms with this so uh, this will be a little bit of a spoiler alert. I'm going to answer your question. I'm leading up to it, but I, I do, uh, you know, I want to make sure that folks know that the, the gist of this book is is told about Jennifer's progress and journey through this this situation that she's suddenly faced with. So for all of that said, uh, to answer your question, yes, uh, they they are still together. They are still married. Um, they're celebrating 12 years. And uh, I, I couldn't be happier for them. And they are probably one of the most well-adjusted couples that I know, mm -hmm. quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And I understand, if I remember correctly, they, they did have counseling 
Um, oh yes. <laughs> there's there's been a lot of counseling and that's that's why I say they're probably one of the most well-adjusted couples that I know because I think um both had individual counseling I'm I, and then they had joint uh you know marriage counseling as well um and I think that all of that introspection that therapy that work that self-discovery um all of that has has enabled them to communicate with one another probably on a level that most of us will never know. Um, so that's why I say I think they're probably the most well-adjusted couple that I know because there's been a lot of therapy involved. Um, mm -hmm. And they've dealt with a lot and they have been very honest with one another and with those around them, uh, even when that wasn't an easy thing to do. So it, it makes for a, for a heck of a marriage if you can stick through that all. Now, so you mentioned the word, you say the word honesty. Mm -hmm. One of the um, one of the the concerns or issues or thoughts ideas one of the ideas that uh, came up in the book club discussion was this whole um, this whole thing about honesty mm -hmm. was Mark really honest with Jennifer. Because, as you said, only six months in, then he comes and he tells Jennifer, hey, you know what, I want to make this drastic uh, life change. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as you have said, Lynn, this is something that Mark knew about himself back when he was, you know, very, very young. So it isn't as if he decided you know over the span of six months that that he that he needed to make this kind of change so well let me let me yeah let me let me dig in there that's an excellent question and i know um how it looks from the outside uh and i also know having spoken at length with mark about this very question he was not uh dishonest he did not set out to deceive jennifer while he felt boyish, he assumed he was a tomboy. Uh, and there, there are legitimate women out there who are tomboys and are not, um, who don't uh, take steps to, to go through a gender transition, right? They're, they're, they're women and they just happen to be boyish and that's what he assumed he was. So as a result of that, he assumed he was a lesbian because here he is, he's a girl and he likes girls. Uh, so he lived his life as a lesbian, not to deceive anyone, but because he didn't know any better. He was not familiar with the idea of um, a gender transition. And it wasn't until he happened to be um, watching a documentary with a friend of his, and the documentary is very well known called Gender Rebel. And it's uh, about um, three transgenders and their stories. and it resonated with Mark and it was, it was, it really was an aha moment. It was like the light bulb went off and suddenly he said, oh my gosh, this, this is me. This explains so much, but this was all six months after he married Jennifer. And so this, this was never Mark's attempt to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. Um, although it certainly could appear that way to somebody who's, who's just looking at this story from the outside. 
but this truly was a revelation for him and he he tried um briefly to just kind of reconcile of you know okay maybe i could just you know maybe i can just stay um you know presenting as a female and and he knew that in order to be truly happy to live his authentic life meant he needed to undergo a gender transition why reveal or why pose you know the question to his newlywed wife on Valentine's Day? Mm-hmm. That's, an, that's an excellent question. And that has to do with Mark, who is um, very impulsive. Um, he is, um, I, I, I have joked with him a little bit, you know, sometimes he's, he's a little uh, like a, a 10-year-old boy who can't wait uh, until Christmas. And so, in fact, there, there were, when he proposed to Jennifer, he had the ring ready and he was going to propose to her. I'm not sure if it was Christmas or Valentine's Day. Um, and, and he couldn't wait. He gave it to her that night. Um, and, you know, he planned to have something that was several weeks or several months off in the future. And he just couldn't wait. So he gave her the ring that night. And I think he was just really swept up in this. This is what I need to do. And so he, he is the first one to admit his timing was horrible, that, that he would make this announcement on Valentine's Day, that this was something that, that he needed to share with her. Um, but it's just Mark being Mark, and, and he couldn't wait anymore. He couldn't hold it in. Okay. And then another a question. So when the discussion came around, you know, why is it why did he do it on Valentine's Day? One of the ideas came up was that it was it was an act of disrespect. Now, I don't know what was going on in Mark's mind, right? Of course, he's, you know, he's mm-hmm. talking about how he's impulsive. Um, but but we you know, had this discussion about, you know, like, well, well maybe he doesn't um Maybe he doesn't really care for her as much as he says he does. Mm. Um, and, and another piece of uh, another clue to go along with that was um, the uh, the part when you explain how they were uh, courting each other and how they had met online, and um, there was. So Jennifer had sent out, uh, no, I, I don't remember who, who, who reached out to whom, but Jennifer received a reply back from Mark's uh, that was kind of like a, like a joke or something, like your mother, I think it was. And... Backwards, yeah, yep. So you have the, the right gist of the story. Um... But it, that was actually Jennifer's response to Mark. Uh, her response was, your mother. And okay. that was um, that was not just to Mark, but to anybody. That was just kind of her away message. Anytime she was away, if somebody sent her an IM back in the day, okay. um, that that was a message that would pop up in response. Um, and and I, I do see uh, where it could be interpreted, for sure, that, that he was disrespectful to do this on Valentine's Day. 
Uh, and again, that's just something where you have to, to take my word for it, that it was, it was not meant uh, with any disrespect. It was just Mark not being able to contain his excitement about something that he finally felt kind of solved a puzzle of his life that he had had for so many years. And suddenly it was like, oh my gosh, this is the answer. This is what I've been waiting for. So it was not in any way meant to be disrespectful to her. It was, uh, I'm so excited that I have this revelation that I can't wait to share it with the woman that I love. Okay. And was there any, um, let's see, any sense of, and again, I, I'm trying to put this delicately, any sense of uh, maybe Jennifer suffering from a low self-esteem that maybe she had, had uh, you know, allowed herself to be put in a situation like this. Um, so there were, there were parts of the beginning of the story where um, uh, you, you described various, various incidents that happened in, in Jennifer's life. Mm -hmm. And we had discussed all of it and, you know, one of the members talked about how, well, you know, maybe it, it looked like a pattern that maybe she, um, she allowed people to take advantage of her, that she allowed people to, um, you know, consistently um, uh, do things to her that maybe they that they sh shouldn't and that goes along you know with the with the idea of the disrespect so if it was not disrespect then it then it does not um, follow along the the self-esteem line but you know if you could just go ahead and respond to that because sure. you did have that question I, one of the things that's very important to know about Jennifer is that she is a people pleaser uh, she doesn't want to let anyone down. She doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And as a result of that, she did keep many things bottled up inside. Um, she had a somewhat challenging relationship with her mother. Uh, and her mother, mother would often lean on Jennifer more as a friend than as a daughter. And uh, Jennifer was in a role um, put in a role frequently where she was kind of a, a, a caregiver and an emotional support. Uh, and I, I think that perhaps, you know, that was part of what made Mark and Jennifer such a good fit for one another is he is a little impulsive. He can be a little immature and Jennifer is kind of this caregiver nurturer type. And so I, I think they kind of um, complement each other that way. Mm -hmm. um, so there is definitely uh, baggage that came along in, in Jennifer's past that uh, led her to really take this this news and this journey um, in a more um, detrimental way than perhaps other people would. Um, there are other people who would say, oh, hell no, um, that's not what I married and that's not what I signed up for and walk away. I mean, certainly divorces happen over a whole lot less than somebody changing their gender. Mm -hmm. um, but she loved him enough to, to, to try to work on it and say, you know, I'll give this a shot and, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, and, and Mark 
often said, you know, I understand this isn't what you signed up for and, and should you choose to leave, I would I would understand. It's not what I want, but I would understand you need to do what's right for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, Jennifer really did go through this this hell that I mentioned. Um, there, there was anorexia. Um, there was self-harm in the form of cutting, uh, deep, deep depression numerous times, um, hospitalizations that resulted. Uh, and all of that is covered in, in the book, Who Am I If You're Not You? Um, but all of that was her way of trying to cope with um, feeling like she, as as Mark was finding himself for the first time in his life, Jennifer was losing who she was. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where the title of the book comes in. So I don't know. I don't want to jump ahead and, and answer any questions um, that you haven't asked yet. But we I, I would like to share that a little bit when we when we get to that point. Well, let's let's go ahead and dive into that. That's fine. OK, well, my my thought is this. Um, at least for me personally, I, I have a, you know, I have a persona when I am on the job. I have a persona when I am being a daughter uh, or when I'm with my sister or when I am with my friends. Um, you know, we all have these kind of um, faces, perhaps, kind of back to what you were saying, the performance uh, that, that you say. We, we have these nuances to our personality that we show. And if suddenly the person that we are closest to in the world that we have shown this persona to suddenly that person completely changes then where where does that leave us uh what what does that mean for us and so that's where the title who am i if you're not you Mm -hmm. comes into play because again mark is finding himself and for the first time in his life living authentically and jennifer is at a complete loss Mm-hmm. And just, you know, thinking about that just a little bit deeper, um, and, you know, you don't just, you know, talk about this in the book or anything, but what you s- said reminds me of, um, uh, something about like um like developing uh this uh consciousness about oneself and there's something about you know your about the ego being attached to other things other people and how your identity is uh like how some people determine their identity based on these external things. So it's mm-hmm. like I am uh, whoever I am because you are my boyfriend or you are my mother or I have this house and or mm-hmm. I have this car. So it can be like a person, a thing or a job or a, whatever it is. And their identity becomes wrapped in whatever that external thing is about them. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. That's exactly right. And so if that, if that external thing then changes in a very dramatic and drastic way, mm-hmm. 
it, you can see where you how you lose this sense of self because you suddenly have to rediscover and re reinvent almost mm-hmm. um, right because here's as i say here's jennifer who is a lesbian didn't figure it out until she's in her 20s and now suddenly instead of being in a same-sex marriage you would look at them and they look like they are in a heterosexual marriage she has a husband Um, So where does that leave her? Is she still a lesbian then? Uh, Mm -hmm. So all of that comes into play, um, not just from a gender perspective, but from a sexuality perspective. Right. And has Jennifer found her... um, Now, in in a sort of uh, spiritual sense, has she found her I am? Like this, the thing inside of her that is constant and not attached to anything in in the world that is an excellent question uh and i would say i think so um i she is at peace she is happy in her marriage um but as with most of us you know we all we all have whatever baggage we have and that still comes and and rears its ugly head from time to time Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that she is confident in, in who she is and what her life is meant to be. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That is so interesting what you said as her life is meant to be because, um, Jennifer was strong enough to go through that, right? So there's there's probably a reason why it was Jennifer and you know maybe someone else couldn't have have uh, been as resilient as, as she has been through this ordeal so oh i couldn't agree more uh, yeah. and i tell her that frequently and i say you are you are the probably the strongest person that i know and she would disagree with you heartily about that if you said it to her um again she just kind of says this this is my life this is you know this is what i am am have been dealt. These are the cards I've been dealt. Um, but I, I do think that for other, many other people would not have been able to go through the experience that she has been through, uh, and, and still be standing. She's remarkable. She really is. And so, (coughs) excuse me. Um, it's as if, um, you know, through your story and Jennifer's experience, you're both teaching, you're teaching us the world um, about, you know, these LGBT issues, um, but also I'm just coming to a realization myself, like just having this conversation with you just about like the human experience as well. So this this story is is about more than just um, you know the transition it's more than just about the the um, the marriage and more than about any individual uh, in the story it's you know it's a it's teaching about you know how sometimes you just have to live through something, surrender to what is going on around you. Um, it's about 
stepping back from things, making making choices um, from a place of calm and not from fear or panic. Um, so there's a there's a lot of really good life and love lessons in here. Um, I I'm so glad that you say that, and I I thank you for that. Um, I've been asked why I was compelled to to write the story, and I really wrote it for for two reasons. Number one, because Jennifer, as she was going through this whole process, she's you know as I as I say, she you know she's kind of coming to terms with life, and she's got she feels like she's got life by the you know by the horns. She's ready to go live the perfect life, and and suddenly the the rug gets ripped out from underneath her, and she felt so alone. She felt that she was the only person in the world who had ever faced this uh, and that nobody else could possibly understand what she was dealing with. And it was important that this story be told so that others who are in her position, um, whether it's an LGBT thing or perhaps an eating disorder thing or um, self-injury, I mean, there's so many important things that that she went through that are unearthed in this book and I wanted others to know that they're not alone um, that that somebody did go through them and somebody came out the other side there is light at the end of the tunnel and it was important to me to share that so that, that was kind of reason one uh, but reason number two really was to give people uh, like me who wanted to be supportive of the LGBT community but maybe don't understand or don't know how to be supportive, uh, don't know what words are okay to use, what questions are okay to ask. I, I wanted it to be kind of a, a, a glimpse inside someone's life to answer some of those questions for them, um, to hopefully empower um, those who want to be allies to do so. Um, and, and to help take away some of the mystery of someone who's trans and, and show here's Mark and he's a good person and he, you know, he's not, um, he's not any less than because he underwent a gender transition, he's not any more than because he underwent a gender transition. He's Mark and he's human and he has a soul and a heart just like all the rest of us. And those were two really important things that I, I wanted to get across in this book. And I feel like you just kind of touched on both of those in your question. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about the LGBT community. Um, okay, okay, so I'm, so I'm looking at my uh, notes here. Um, have you received any uh, backlash. So I know we were, you know, thinking very positively about this story, but has the LGBT community embraced the story? Have, have they said, well, you know, this, this story is not, um, you know, maybe, maybe there's some something inauthentic about it or something stereotypical about it mm. that that they don't that you've gotten backlash around no i have been uh the the lgbt community and the community at large have been very very supportive of of who am i if you're not you um the 
the only backlash that I've gotten are uh, from those who are clearly not and probably never going to be supporters of the LGBT community. And um, they can be very vocal and very hurtful. And, uh, you know, I think about some of the, the comments that I've heard and think, my God, this is not even a fingernail of what somebody who is in the LGBT community lives with all of their lives or every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, the only backlash that I've gotten have been from those who just, who, who not only don't understand, but don't want to understand. Right. And I'm, I, I'm not going to change their mind and this book is not going to change their mind and that's okay. Hopefully somebody else can maybe shed a little light in a way that will open their heart. Mm-hmm. But the LGBT community has been incredibly supportive of this book. And uh, I have to say, although, you know, it, it deals with LGBT issues, as you mentioned, it deals with so much more than that. And I have had um, a, a straight woman come to me and, and ask me to come and speak at her book club. She said, I'm straight. I've been married for 30 years, but I felt like there were so many things that I could relate to in this book just based on their marriage and how they communicated um, that it, it resonated with me, even though their story is so vastly different. Uh, so I, I hope that it has a chance to kind of cross those um, communities and, and just open some hearts along the way, whether it's LGBT or not. Mm-hmm. And if someone is listening and they are a writer or journalist, do you have any advice maybe that you would want to give them in terms of um, telling, being brave enough to tell um, a, a challenging story like this one? Oh, uh, that's an excellent question that nobody has asked me before. I think um, I would just, I, I was so honored uh, and really, truly humbled that they would, uh, that Jennifer and Mark would entrust their story to me. And uh, I, I just, I guess my only advice would be, you know, share it with whoever your, your source is. Um, they read every chapter as I would finish it, and they would, um, you know, they were not afraid to say this doesn't quite ring true or this isn't really quite how it went. Uh, and so it was important to me that they had a say in the story and that they were okay with the final product before it came out because it is their story and I didn't want to get anything wrong. Um, so I guess that would be my advice to somebody who would want to, to write a story like this is um, get as, as close to and comfortable with your source as you can so that um, it's, it's factual and that you're telling the story the way that it happens. Mm-hmm. And so now you are working in marketing. Um, are you still writing journalistic books? You know, I, I'm not working on any other books right now. Uh, okay. I do have a couple of projects in mind, uh, a couple of books that I'd like to work on. Uh, what I've learned so many things from writing this book. This is actually my second book, but the 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 main thing that I've learned about this particular one is um, you really have to market the heck out of a book to oh, catch yeah, anybody's yeah. attention. Uh, and so it's, marketing this particular book is kind of taking all of my focus right now. I do still do some freelance writing on the side, and I do have some other books that I'd like to write when the time is right for it. But right now I want to put all my all my energies into sharing this story because I feel so strongly about uh, it being a message that needs to be heard. Mm-hmm. And and also just one other note, I, 
I think this would be a wonderful um, documentary mm. or movie. So, like, I could t I could totally see, you know, like in the same way, like Ava DuVernay went and she, you know, redid the uh, the story, um, how they when they see us. Did you see that? Yes, 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 yes. And and oh my gosh, you were you're reading my mind because that is that would be my dream for this book is to see it turned into uh, either a documentary or an indie film of some sort. Mm -hmm. Because I know, unfortunately, uh, you and I and and your listeners, I'm assuming, are are people who love to read books. But there's a lot of the population out there who don't love to read books and. Uh, I would love to see this story um, told in a in a different medium so that they would have the opportunity to to hear its message. Mm -hmm. So if anybody's listening and has any ties to anybody who uh, who's interested in turning a book into a movie, um, I'd love to hear from them. Great. <laughs> That's and, my and, plug. And how can we contact you and, and learn more about your projects? Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, so I have an author website, Lynn Thorne, and it's L-Y-N-N. T-H-O-R-N-E dot com. So lynnthorne.com and uh, would love to get emails at lynn at lynnthorne.com. And again, it's just L-Y-N-N -N with no E on Lynn. So lynn at lynnthorne.com would love to hear from anybody. And uh, that, that email address is on my website. So folks can, can feel free to reach out to me with questions or comments. I, I could discuss this book for the rest of my life and hope I get a chance to. So be prepared for that when you reach out to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Len, this has been just a, a wonderful, um, enlightening conversation. And I, and I want to thank you for taking the time to, um, to talk with us today about not just your book, but also just some of these delicate topics. Um, and it's so very easy for people to just, uh, shy away from talking about these issues and I want to thank you for um, being brave enough to to do so oh well thank you I, I thank you for the time and the opportunity to discuss something that is so important and um, it, you know I think the main thing is it's it's we just need to educate ourselves and our future generations and the more we can learn um, the, the, the better stewards we will be in, in our lives, um, you know, that we can, can connect with one another because really at the end of the day, you know, we all have a beating heart inside and that's, that connects us more than whatever our genders might be or whatever procedures we might've had. So I feel really strongly about that. And I'm so grateful to have the, the chance to share that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's it for another great episode of Short Story Discussions, brought to you by Short Story Book Club. Would you like to become a member of the club? Visit us online at shortstorybookclub.com to subscribe. And don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Your story matters, and we'd love to hear from you. Thank you for being part of today's episode. See you next time.